Hey, welcome back to a bonus episode this week of Hot Takes with my hot cake. Welcome back, Julie. Hello. <laughs> it's a cold day up in the upper room, and I don't have a fire going, but we got a little propane heater next to Julie. I can feel the heat from over here, but she's bundled up and uh, suffering for you all to have something to listen to. <laughs> you do. You got no, your black. I I think he agreed. You got your I black agree. coat on with the hood pulled over halfway down your face. Eyes, you know, whitish, no tan skin. <laughs> you look wonderful. You look cold, but you look wonderful. All right. Well, today's episode is sponsored by the Spice and Tea Shop for me. I've got, what is this called? You know what it is, the peach it's one. Bonita Springs Peach Tea, or Roy Boss Tea. Yeah, something like that. Very good. All I say is I'm not really a tea person, but I've become a tea person the last yeah. couple months because we've all been sick. Yes, I'm finally healthy. Well, no, not healthy. You've been sick this week. Very, yes. I don't know about very. No, but I've never It's not like you were a knocking on death's door here. I've never had a headache for three days in a row in my life. Yeah. And and then feeling like my chest, like I couldn't get a full breath in. Right. And then it transitioned to coughing that actually hurt. Meanwhile, she's doing CrossFit every morning, so still, couldn't I, have been too bad. I'm convinced, I have to convince my brain that I'm still, you know, I'm using that positive reinforcement. You know, if you dress to feel better, that you'll start to feel better. I told myself I had to keep working out, even if it meant going real slow. So just trying to convince myself that I'm getting better instead of laying on the couch all day. You're getting there. You're looking a lot better than you were earlier in the week. So well, if the emperor is a positive, then yes. <laughs> oh, you look good. All right. So anyway, I don't know what kind of tea that is, but it's in my favorite mug from the one and only Jahail, the potter, um, during his days there. I, I love, I got like a mug and a bowl and another mug, and they're my favorites. But perfect for tea. I'm going to try to keep my throat um, doing well here. I got a couple hot takes, Julie, on some quotes that I was hoping you would give me your perspective on. You've not seen these yet. Oh, no. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. This one, this one we could work on. I could work on. It says the problem with communication is the perception that it occurred. Hmm? It says the problem with communication is the perception that it occurred. So the problem is, is that I think I already communicated with you. And so I don't follow up to make sure that you understand and are clear on the communication. And so then things get miscommunicated because I assumed I had the perception that it was clearly communicated. What do you think about that? Is that true? I don't know. I'm not thinking clearly. This is a very complex question. So read the question one more time. It says the problem with communication is the perception that it occurred. All right. So you're thinking, okay, I think I get it now. So I'm thinking, I communicated that. All right. And then I come in, I'm like, why didn't we do that? You're like, you didn't tell me. 
And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure we had clear communication on that. I don't think we, I think, it's, I think it's usually the other way around. Like I actually did communicate and you didn't hear me because you were doing, I don't know what else. And you don't remember that I told you something. Yeah, you had the perception that I had heard your communication. Or I wrote it down in the calendar. You should know, you know, you know where to look and what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this probably is a problem <laughs> because we, we're both trying to communicate in some way and uh, it's getting lost. There you have it. All right. That's it? You're going to leave it at that? Shoot. Did you have more to communicate? <laughs> I don't know. So, anyway. I don't, well, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it goes both ways. I think just in marriage, right? You think you're communicating and you think you're going well, and then all of a sudden you feel, you see like we're on totally different wavelengths. Apparently our communication is, is broken. Maybe not our communication, maybe whether we agree or not in the solution of communication. But yes, I think we communicate pretty well. The age-old selective hearing debate, huh? Maybe. You know, we're just realizing we probably can't give you all the information because you'll say no. So we got to be selective about, you know, how we deliver said communication depending on what's going on. Delivery is key. It is. Because yeah. you gotta, sometimes you got to drop a few seeds here or there and let it permeate to see, yeah. see if there's any positive. Sometimes you got to warm me up with some sweet nothings, oh, you know, no. and then communicate something I'm more willing to hear. We, we just don't ask you questions. <laughs> yeah, communication for us, like if it's the end of the day, is probably not the best time to communicate. At least nothing deep. And then me, first thing in the morning, I'm ready to go, and you are not wanting to communicate. This is true. So you got to find the right time. Mid morning is probably just about perfect. Depends well, for us. You yeah, okay. for us. Yes, that's not true for everybody. No, but for us. This podcast is just about us, Julie. It's not really. Okay. You all are great. It's about you all. Um, all right. Here's another one. Maybe this one won't be um, quite as confusing. All right. When you separate evangelism from discipleship, you make a fatal flaw. Where did you get these questions? This is just from different sermons and stuff I've heard over the last like six months. I did not realize you were going to come at me with all these. That's why it's called hot takes. What's your hot take? You don't get time to think about it. All right. So separating evangelism from discipleship. So you he's saying you can't separate. He's saying the two. the two go together. And if you try to separate them, if you try to just evangelize yeah. and don't disciple, yeah. then you're making a fatal flaw. If you choose just to disciple but not disciple in a way towards evangelism, mm -hmm. then you're making a fatal flaw in your strategies. Well, Jesus said to go and make disciples of all the nations. So, you know, to, to stop at, oh, you're saved, that kind of leaves you hanging. He mm -hmm. didn't call us to just save. Well, it's, and it's the Holy Spirit and God that saves. But, you know, yeah. using you to plant and water. Being a willing vessel. Yeah, and going into the unreached earth, just to your neighbor's backyard to share the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's not. He wants you to actually build a life with these people, any people, and uh, and disciple them, which means getting together more than just Sunday or you know. Mm -hmm. 
like actually do life with people. So yeah, you can't separate that. People try to though, you know. I think sometimes I do. I don't feel like I'm an evangelist in any way. I'm more of a disciple person. And yeah. Build relationships, but maybe that's just because I believe that. Like I'll share the gospel, but I'm not gonna go out and do that solely as my only purpose and my only message is always just that. Mm-hmm. I want to go beyond just the gospel. You want to you want to have deep, meaningful gospel. relationships yeah. with everybody that you come in contact with. You're that kind of person mm-hmm. versus you know, like a tent revival where there's a thousand people saved. Well, the person who was leading that service or whatever can't possibly disciple a thousand people, right? There's going to be others that have to disciple that. Or is that a fatal flaw in that? Okay, we reach these people and then they're left to be like, what's next, right? Or what's next part? problem because they can be led astray. Yeah, like I was reading somewhere how that kind of pulled the church away from you know, what, what it could be, you know, like it was just revival. It was just share the gospel, share the gospel. But then what happened to all those people if they didn't get plugged in and actually fed solid food, Mm -hmm. you know, where did they go? Hopefully they had wait, you know, people there that would, you know, bring them to a church or tell them what to do next. I I think a lot of churches, like when I grew up, it was always, there's always like a a call to salvation um, quite often. And, you know, I think as a kid, what I witnessed was, you know, there were, there were people, probably elders and deacons who, you know, would pray with you and, you know, they would meet you in the sanctuary, kind of give you maybe the gospel of John or give you a Bible and tell you like, these are the ways you can get plugged into the church. And that's, that's a form of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it goes, I think that the challenge, I think maybe not challenge, but the way that I would see it now is, you know, when I choose to disciple someone, like there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of grace, there's a lot of meeting regularly outside of just Sundays at a church or even outside of just, just a, uh, uh, a small group, you know, once a month. You know, it's discipleship for me is like this is a daily walk or at least, a, you know, every Tuesday, every Wednesday kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Right. And then even between those, there's, you know, maybe it's working out. Right. Like you're working out together mm-hmm. uh, a couple times a week, that sort of thing. Yeah. And no. Yeah. And I just remember there was a time in our lives where we, we were listening to a pastor and every time he preached, it was just seemed like it was not that just every time it was always. And I love hearing the gospel, but it, that's all it ever was. It never got deeper every sermon, than mm-hmm. just, which, and I think it's like, okay, I know this. I know this already. You know, like I need, I wanted more, like mm-hmm. more. I was just hungry for more. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't know if that pastor ever would, you know. He's more of an evangelistic outreach, I think, yeah. you know, there. He wouldn't take it beyond there. So it's just like, well, he's got to have some hungry sheep, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that would want more than just, you know, and it always goes back to the gospel, of course. But, you know, at some point we need to dive well, in. Well, you know, you, we want some meat, right? And it's not saying the gospel isn't isn't meat. I mean, there's a lot to digest there if you really, you know, just begin to really understand what is the gospel. Because uh, I think, you know, when you consider just the gospel being just gets out, just get saved. It's just the plan of salvation. The gospel is so much more than that. Yeah. So it's so much deeper than mm-hmm. just that. So. Okay.
Okay. Do you want to do one more? I got like 20 quotes, but. Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we got to fill this up. So I will just show you how. I'm <laughs> Two hour podcast. Five. Here we go. Okay. All right. How about, um, how about this one? I thought this was really interesting. It is inconsistent of the believer to say they do not have time for God. Like daily, like it's hard for me to make time for God. Yet they desire to spend eternity with him. <laughs> That's kind of hypocritical or an oxymoron. Right. <laughs> So yeah. it's inconsistent to not have time for God, yet desire to spend eternity with him. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's yeah. like, I desire to spend eternity with you. Man, you know, my days are so busy. I can't hardly find time to pray. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's inconsistent. That one challenged me because I, I think we do. We get caught up in, in a lot of the day-to-day and um, maybe don't prioritize. And you do really, really well at prioritizing um, getting in the word. It's the first thing you start your day with, but yeah, there's a lot of people that struggle to find 20 minutes a day to give to God. I just, they're just not prioritizing. Everybody can That's find what I mean. 20 minutes. But everybody wants to spend eternity with them. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I mean, I do listen, you know, I, I know I need to work. It's definitely a discipline. I don't do it joyfully all the time by mm-hmm. any stretch. But, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call out. I say, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't find any moments here yet. You want to spend mm-hmm. the rest of eternity with God, worshiping him and doing his work. <laughs> yet you can't do it here on the earth. Hmm. Yeah. Good call. That wasn't even a question. That was just a quote. That was. All right. How about this one? This one isn't, none of these are questions. They're all quotes. Okay. This one is from, um, uh, Matt or elder, elder Matt okay. at church this Monday. And I wrote it down cause I loved it. So we were in prayer and he said, let my words be few this morning until I speak with my King. And then he immediately said, no, that's wrong. Let me be silent this morning while my King speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just kind of gives you that feeling of like, Hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And I think what was like a few weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I don't even know why. And so I was just praying and just everybody that came to my mind, I was praying for, and then I eventually fell asleep. And mm-hmm. then the next night I woke up and I, same thing. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm awake. And that time I said, Lord, your servant, your servant is speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Mm-hmm. And I chose that night to, to say nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure God said anything back, but mm-hmm. eventually I did fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a different perspective to be in silence. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to be quiet and to just wait quietly and just be in the presence of God. Um, so yeah, that's a really good thought now. <laughs> All right. We're going to combine two episodes because we haven't done one of these in a while. And we might have some new listeners on these don'ts um, for wives and don'ts for husbands. They're these little tiny books from the 1900s, late 1800s, probably. And um, you can still buy them. They still print like new versions. We have some new ones right here. 
Um, not all of them are biblical by any stretch, but they have little, little nuggets, little, uh, I don't know if we want to like, they would be considered like a little proverb, right? There's all these tiny little paragraphs in different sections. And, uh, I just think they're hilarious and some of them are really true and some of them don't apply because we no longer households no longer really have servants, <laughs> um, in the same way. Uh, some, some houses do, right. Some houses still have housemaids. Yeah. Not our house. We have servants. They're called children. Um, and uh, anyway, so we picked out a couple. So Julie, hit me with one. This that's a don't for me. Don'ts for husbands. Okay. Um, this is under the children section, and it says, "Don't always say ask your mother when you don't want to be bothered. It is conceivable that she doesn't either." Say that again. Don't always say, ask your mother when oh, yeah. you don't want to be bothered. Yeah. It is conceivable that she doesn't either. I think that goes back to like just being selfish or selfless. You know, like it's a selfish statement to say, go ask your mother. It's selfish because yeah, I'm putting a burden on you to make a decision. Potentially. Most of the time. Unless she really cares about the schedule or she knows the schedule. Yeah, but I think the book is thinking more specifically, like generally speaking, you know, it's like, go ask your mother, like, go ask your mother. She, yeah. I don't want to deal with it. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting in my way of what I'm doing. Go ask your mother. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it was like, go ask your mom. And then mom would say, go ask your dad. And so you'd be just going ping pong back and forth, trying to figure out. Which oh, if that happened, you get one chance at this kids. If that happens, you just make the decision. And then we just say dad said to ask. Dad said to ask you and you said to ask dad and I figured neither one of you really cared that much so I just did it myself. That's a good idea. <laughs> children. That's probably not wise if there's children here listening, but Yeah, I know sometimes I say ask your dad. I don't know. Am I being lazy? But I know you're the head of the household, so your your opinion does matter on, on mm. some of those things. You should have a stake in the claim of well, I think that, yeah, fathers should care, right? Like about, there's some things that decisions probably are more motherly and some decisions are probably more of a father's prerogative, depending on what the question is. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, don't be so quick, husbands, to just say, go ask your mother, make a decision. Lead. Lead. I like it. <clears throat> All right. Do you have one? How about this one? Don'ts for wives. This is from the children's section. It says, wives, don't let your husband become merely your child, child's father after the arrival of the baby. You can give him an extra share of love, but he won't want to be any the less your husband. Mm -hmm. Like, agree. don't just be like, oh, he's my father or he's the father of my child. Like, you he's still no, your husband. You have no purpose now, husband. You are now just the father. <laughs> your purpose has been fulfilled if we have a child to bear your name. Yeah. Now you're now, a father. Now go provide. <laughs> yeah. And leave me alone. I like it. I'm like that you're on board. Give us some love. Give us, husband, some love. All right. Well, that's just me trying not to be too, taking more naps and not being so tired for when your husband's done with work. That one's in here somewhere, to too. Be cheerful. I think we've done that one before, though. We have. But you, I, I actually have to think about that because I'm exhausted at the end of the day. 
says something about don't let your husband try to find you when he gets home. Listen for his key lock and meet him at the door or something like that. that, Well, but I work from home, like sort of like a detached garage all day long. You still want me to be cheerful, which is exhausting. I would love a smile when I walk in the door. Yeah. Uh, I could be better. Um, But yes, but I do need to take naps so that I can try to make sure that the children don't get all of my energy Mm -hmm. because that can easily happen. And I do like reading a good book at the end of the day and I could just ignore the rest of the world. Um, once the kids go to bed, if I was allowed, Mm -hmm. let's do one more each. I've got a good one that I almost laughed out loud while you were saying your last thing there. Wow. Okay. Well, mine is another one from the children's section says, don't say that's not my line. When your wife asks your advice about the children, it ought to be in your line. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that happens in your household, you should be, is uh, ultimately your responsibility. Yeah. You're called to lead, lead your wives and wash them with the word. And uh, they're called to, um, you know, be your helpmate and uh, share in that capacity and also be glorified by, by man to be the crown upon your head. So, um, but yeah, your children should, you know, honor your father and mother, you know, but it specifically calls for fathers to train up a child in a way that they should go. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And the husband should be willing to do all the aspects of the job that the wife, I think, needs to i mean he desired her to do those things but like nothing is beneath him change a diaper every now and then boys you have to step in and help out um because ultimately you're you're the covering over the whole family and Mm -hmm. so you lead from from that position and a willingness to yeah help everywhere and you know that's nothing is beneath you you're a servant leader yep serve a little bit extra all right how about this one all right let's see if i laugh (laughs) i'm trying to think there's a couple of them like right in a row i'm trying to think which one um um seems seems better but all right how about this one all right don't quote manage your husband too visibly of course, he may require the most careful management, but you don't want your friends to think of him as a hen-pecked husband. Above all, never let him think that you manage him. <laughs> First of all, we got to bring back hen-pecked husband. Like, I think, I think we need to bring that back. That needs to be a new hashtag or whatever kids are into these days. But um, I just thought it was like funny, of co- like wives, of course, he's going to require management, <laughs> but don't let your friends think of him as being a henpecked husband. Like, does that mean like a husband who's always getting like nagged by you? By the way, yeah. Okay. Well, well, that's true. Well, I think it's disrespectful to be nagging your husband in front of his friends or even your own friends. You're, you're, you're pecking them, mm-hmm. you know, and. And so there's a there's a a joyful way you can and a respectful way that you can 
encourage your husband um, and obviously lots of prayer and patience and, um, you know, because we're to help him be better in, in lots of different ways. So, but there's definitely a way to do it respectfully and with kindness so that he is honored, not only by his friends, but by your friends. And they don't look down at him because of how you're treating him and kind of trying to elevate yourself as a wife, even though you don't, when you tear down your husband, you're tearing down yourself um, at the same time. So that's something to think about is, you know, he is, you guys are one. So I think it's silly when women do that. So, I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of it here and there, you know, the temptation. There was a time I felt that way. And I I remember we addressed it or we, I finally said, you know, when you say those things in front of our friends, I don't really feel valued. Mm -hmm. And I think that finally helped, like after a few times, gave a few clear examples. And I don't feel that way ever anymore. There's a time and a space to talk about things that need to be addressed, but it's certainly not in front of a group. Yeah. Like where, you know, he's the one person, you're the one person he's supposed to trust 100%. And then if you're flapping, you know, your words out to everybody, he can't trust you. Mm-hmm. And so you build that trust by keeping a confidence. And so, you know, there's a time and a place to talk to others about it, but you need to kind of learn what that is mm-hmm. and make sure he's okay with you talking about it um, to other people, you know, before you do that. Yeah, I think it's like we're talking more like, at a birthday party, you know, um, in the lobby at church, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's different if you have a trusted group of men, a very small group that you share confidently with and you have trust with and you can share, hey, this is happening with my wife and I, you know, I need your prayer. I need your wisdom. But make sure you both agree that you're going to have this conversation. Yeah. You know, and that you're not blindsided or feel like that's what I mean. Trusted, trusted people. Yeah. You know, people that you've built trust with, that you're discipling or have been discipled by. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's, that's been true. You know, and then maybe even just have the clarification beforehand, say, this is a this room conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. We had our seasons of tearing each other down. Yeah. Was... Us, us two sinners are pretty good at it, too. Oh, yeah. I think husbands and wives, too, you know, you get to know your wives so much, like, so much of the good and the bad and what they struggle with. And it can be real, really easy then to um, weaponize those insecurities or those, um, you know, pitfalls or whatever I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. those areas of weakness for your spouse. And, um, you know, it's not honoring, it's not loving, but it can become easy because don't forget your sinners saved by grace. So, all right. You got any, um, Inspirational quotes to end us with, Julie? No, I did not come prepared. At I know. All. I like putting you on the spot. You're a good what, sport about it. Whatsoever. Uh, I'm trying to think if anything comes to mind. Um, and only a song comes to my head. A psalm? A song. Song. But you don't want me to sing it. So. This is not a singing podcast. I, I told you it is. This is a singing podcast? We all love love songs, don't we? We're musical people.
We like songs. Yeah. I've never sung on the podcast. So I have. You have? Mm-hmm. A full song? No, not a full song. Oh, just like a line or two. Yeah. We're good. I'm not yeah. going to sing. Today. You're not going to sing today? No. Okay. Well, we're going to end on that. You're going to have to wait for the next episode when Julie comes on and sings you a silly song. <laughs>